All right, thank you very much, praise team. We appreciate you preparing our hearts today as we head into the message. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians, right at the very beginning of 1 Corinthians. As we dive in today, what we'll do is we'll read through it as a whole, and then we'll go back through and break it down. So let me go ahead and read to you, starting in verse 2. Paul, by the way, is writing this. He is called to be an apostle. We all start as a disciple when it comes to our walk of faith, and then... Just as Jesus did with his disciples, he discipled them for three years, and then he sent, sent them out. When you're sent out, you then become that apostle. For those of you here at the church today that are new, as you leave our church, you'll see above the exit, it says you are now entering your mission field. So we come here to grow, but then we head out and go. So Paul is called as an apostle. It says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse four says, I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him, you have been enriched in every way in all your speaking and in all your knowledge because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord is faithful. If you all bow your heads, please. Heavenly Father, God, as we come to you today, we thank you so much for this letter that Paul wrote. God, as he wrote it back to the church. Lord, there are times where we have questions as we're moving forward, but at the end of the day, it comes down to many of the things that Paul shares in here. And what those are, are grace and peace and faith. So Lord, uh, help us today, help us to relate this message today of your word to our personal lives and also to that of the church as we take this transition and go to the next step. God, we're all to be disciples. We're all called to be disciples, but Lord, it's that transition to become apostles that sometimes is difficult for us. But Lord, help us today to know that it's in us because you put that in us. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So we're going to look at some pictures here real quick. We're all at work. Oh, go back to Rick. I'm sorry. We are all at work in the progress, which is what we're talking about today. So let's look at this first picture. This is the Roman Colosseum. Now, these are the ruins. You can go and see this. But when the Roman Colosseum was built, you've all heard the term, Rome was not built in a day. This took 10 years to build. And as you can see, it's kind of fallen down all over the place because of wars and all kinds of things that have taken place over time. But it took 10 years for this monstrosity to be built. Go ahead, Rick, go to the next one. These are the pyramids in, I don't know, Geyser, Giza, however you pronounce it, over in Egypt. And these took 20 years to build. And it took people forever to really figure out exactly why they were built. Like with the Colosseum, we know why the Colosseum was built. What were these, what's going on with these? Are there mysteries behind them? Everyone, like everyone, who built them? How'd they get built? All that. But they took 20 years to build. All right, go ahead and go to the next one. This is Buckingham Palace. Go back here real quick, Rick. Okay, this was built, I don't know how many years ago. And go forward. And this is like modern, more modern building. This was built in 23 years. So it took three years longer to build Buckingham Palace. And with all the stuff going on with King Charles and all that stuff, there's all kinds of secrets being hid behind here. Within the pyramids, same thing with the secrets going on there. But they build these monstrosities of these buildings. And what's actually it there for? Well, this is to protect, obviously, everything that's going on in England. And these are all royalty, but 23 year, years to build this building. Now, one thing is it does have windows, so it does take a long time to put windows in. So maybe that's three years worth. And go ahead and go to the next one. This is Allegiant Stadium. This is the home of the Raiders. 
This was a $2 billion project, and they had it built in just a couple of years. So as time has gone by, technology, all those other kind of things, all this money is being spent, but within two years, this was built. Now, the Raiders are still a mess, you know, if you're a football fan, but, you know, what are you going to do? Maybe they'll turn it around. This is now in Las Vegas, and let's go to the next one. How many people recognize this? Has anyone ever been to one of these? Now, if you don't know the business plan behind a Walmart, here's what the business plan is within a Walmart. They go into an area, they find an area, they find a place that's going to be best from a demographic standpoint that could be built out, it could be um, that they feel like populations are going to grow into that area, whatever it might be. But they are very strategic everywhere they go. A lot of these are within very close distance when it comes to uh, interstates and expressways and highways and all that kind of stuff. Sam's Club is tied to this. Sam's Club is also an RV place, so it was meant for the travelers going across the nation. So they wanted to be close to large highways so that you could pull in, you could actually park for the night, you could stay in the back, in the morning you could get all of your supplies and then you could continue to head out. So Walmart is now pretty much everywhere, but if you look at a Walmart, they're all built within 8 to 12 months. Now that's just from the beginning until what you see here. However, there comes a point in time for every single Walmart where there's 55 days. And those 55 days are for every single vendor to have everything in place in the store. So at the end of those 55 days, they go through it. We're good, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. And then the next day, they're opening the doors. And if a vendor doesn't meet that, they're off the list. They're done. They're finished. And so they move on to the next vendor. Wouldn't that be terrible if that was our walk? Wouldn't that be terrible if all of a sudden we got to the point where we're like, you know what, you're really just not, you know, doing the whole discipleship thing the way we expected, and you're never going to get to that apostle thing, so just go ahead and get out of here. We're done. See, God doesn't do that with us. God looks at us. He loves us just as we are, right where we are, with the things that we're doing. And as Paul is sharing today, he's writing back to his church in Corinth. He's saying, hey, guys, listen, I know there's times where you have questions. I know there's times where you're looking at the, the big grand scheme of things and going, does this make sense? Am I a part of it? Can I be a part of it? Um, you know, this guy's saying that. That person's doing this. All these other things are going on. I don't agree with that. That person's power hungry. This, when we have all these different questions, but the bottom line is this, is that the church as a whole, is still the conduit to reach people when it comes to God's word. But it's the people within it that have to make the choice as to whether they're going to follow God's word and follow God's lead so that they can grow individually. Because as we grow individually closer with God, and as we disciple more, and as we reach more, and as we put our arms around each other, and we walk shoulder to shoulder in partnering in that, if we grow each day, the church body as a whole can't help but grow. Now, there's going to be people at times that are going to struggle with this. There's going to be people at times that are going to, you know, other things get in the way, schedules, all those things that happen. And there's going to be people that are going to hold on to a past, a struggle that they had, an addiction, the uh, poor choices with their relationships, poor choices with their finances, feeling left out, loneliness, discouragement, things that rise up within, worry, fear, doubt, all these things that will hold us back when it comes to our walk of faith. But Paul would say this to you, grace and peace. This is what God offers you. This is what God extends you. And what he is asking for you in return is for you to walk with that grace and peace in and through your faith. So today, we're all a work in, project, in progress. Every single one of us is a work in progress. And when we come to look at this, I just put this one up here because it's so recognizable. It could be 10 years, 20 years, 23 years that we're continuing to grow. But for many of us, at times, when it comes to our faith, we go through an 8 to 12 month process like a Walmart and we get stuck. 
Or we go to 55 days, and at the end of those 55 days, we kind of get stuck. And many times we turn to ourselves instead of turning back to God's word and realizing that this has been an issue for many, many years, for hundreds of years, technically even for thousands of years for people when it comes to their personal walk of faith. But know this, you and I are a work in progress, every single one of us. And as we go to this next picture that we're going to see, we may not get to a point to where we see the final product. This is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I will be honest with you and let you know that when I was growing up, I thought this was the Leaning Tower of Pizza, which excited me because I love pizza. It's not. It is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Now, there are Italian restaurants that use that as a name, but this building was built, and as it was being built, it was put on too soft of soil. And so because of that, it settled on one side. Now, people will go over, and they'll, they'll like, do the, the picture thing to where they'll stand out here, and they'll, like, pretend that they're holding it up, you know, and take the picture. They'll go like that on that thing, like they're holding it, whatever it might be. This took 199 years to build. And every time I see a picture like this, and I see all these people getting ready to walk in, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking... Is this thing going to fall over when I'm walking through it? If I get halfway up, like if we get too many people on one side, would the building go all the way over? I mean, do, do we really know? Is any of us really sure? The person that built this building, and they don't even know, by the way, they can't give credit as to who actually designed it. The design was great. The problem was the foundation was bad. And now they're talking that the soil, the way it's being set, it could actually right itself here at some point and then start to lean the other way. But this has been here as when it was finished for 750 years. It is one of the seven wonders of the world. People still go here. They have to see it. They have to take it in. But it is something that took 199 years from start to finish. Meaning, the person, once again, that designed it, the architect behind it, or the architects behind it, never got to see it through, to and through fruition until it was finished. Now, our church is over 100 years old. It's over 115 years old. Somewhere, I don't know, it's like around 120 years old. You can go and visit the, the original building in downtown Clinton. I shared with you that a, a while back, I did a funeral for a 96-year-old woman. It's the oldest funeral, or the oldest person I've ever done a funeral for. And literally, she is buried right next to the church that she grew up in, which is just amazing. 100 plus years, but think about what that church would have looked like over 100 years ago. And to how it's become now. 100 plus years ago, there's no way that there would be drums on a stage. And I'm sure someone at some point goes, oh my goodness, drums, you're going to hell. Oh my goodness, stringed instruments, oh, that's it. You know, we're out. People get upset about the craziest things, the way they do worship and how they do worship. And wait, 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 we only do hymns. We pull off the hymnals and that's, we only do hymns. There are so many changes that have taken place in that time. And so at some point, some time, the people that sat in the pews had to trust the leadership based on what God's word was teaching. So that when they made these changes, it was for the betterment of the people within the pews, but mostly the people outside as well. Why is that? Because just like Paul, who was a missionary, writing back, he knew when it came down to it that you and I need that grace and peace, but that we need to choose to walk in faith. And so when he's writing this today... The work that you are and the work that I am is a constant work. It is a work that has taken time, but it never stops. 
And even after it may be finished, there are still people that can see the remnants of that, whether it's your grandkids, great-grandkids, or whoever it might be, that you and I have the opportunity every day to be that person of faith that can be looked to that help guide someone to the same grace and peace that Jesus Christ offers us through our faith. So let's break this down. Let's take a look at these, these verses here real quick. First thing is, you have been given the holiness you don't yet have. Now, we don't think about this. You know, when someone says, oh, uh, you know, that guy's holy or that's, you know, that, that guy, you know, he's a godly person or that gal is a godly person. They're holy. We don't think about it from, about from our standpoint of being holy. And if we do, when we stop long enough to go, hey, you know what? I'm considered a holy person because I am a believer. And oh, my goodness, there's a lot of stress that comes along with that, isn't it? But Paul is sharing this with us. To be that holiness, God has given us that holiness. This is how he said it in the verse. Verse 2, he said, Paul begins this letter by saying, To those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. The word sanctified literally means set apart or set aside. But it just doesn't mean to be set aside. It's not like this, you know, when we change seasons and we move stuff in our garage and we put stuff in the shed and then we bring it back later. We put it on this side of the garage and, oh, it's winter, so we're going to move, you know, the, the mower to the back and bring the snowblower up. And then we're going to swap it back and forth and sanctified, set aside that way. It's talking about being sanctified, meaning set aside with a purpose. And as a believer, that purpose comes to our faith. It is a personal walk with God. And yet, as Paul shared with all the churches that he built... It's not meant to be alone. So that even though each one of us are set aside for a purpose, at some point in time, we have to make the choice as to whether or not we're going to come together. And it could be someone with our family. It could be our spouse. It could be our kids. It could be people that we didn't even know a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. And all of a sudden, we're sitting next to them, shoulder to shoulder, once again, realizing that, wow, God has called us for something greater. He has called us for grace and for peace and for hope through our faith. Now, I am not someone who normally will share, hey, you have to go and see this. Many years ago, I, I've shared with you uh, Pastor Tim Smith, who will come down here occasionally to speak. He would always miss the spring time frame or the springtime change of springing forward. Fall back. Is that right, Dabit? Okay, let's bring it forward. So he would always miss that week, and when that happened, I would have to go up and speak for him. So I was speaking in a class called Singles. We had like 10 people. They were the last 10 people that were single in the church. So once they got married, my class was done. But every spring, I would have to go up and preach. And so I would go upstairs to what was called Partners, and there was 250-plus people there. I would go up and share. So the one year, I had this message, and I shared this about this movie. And it was such a great movie. And, oh, my goodness, it was so clean. And there was no cussing, and there was none of that kind of stuff. And it had such a great message. And I shared it and go up and go watch this movie. And then the next week when I came back, someone had come down from Partners. I was back in my normal class, and he was like, hey, is this the movie you said to watch? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, are you sure that's the movie? He goes, I think that you should watch that again. So we rented it. You young kids don't know what that means, but back there used to be a time where you could rent like the VCR thing, and you had to rewind it to get it back, or they gave you a penalty, and you had to pay a dime. And I know, we've come so far. But anyway, so we would go back, and I watched it, and it was the worst movie. Like they said – and it just makes my skin crawl. They said G GD and JC and all that stuff. I'm like, oh my goodness, what did I just do? But I didn't understand how the movie I saw was so clean. Well, I was traveling at the time because I was doing um, training for Diebold. And so when I got on, the exact same movie was on the plane. So I'm, I'm going to watch this. And it was so clean. And I'm like, I do not get what is going on. Well, what I didn't know is that they 
edit the movies to watch on the plane. So they take all that out. And at the time, it, said, it literally said on the back, edited. And I'm like, it was an edited version. So I'm going back to, like, apologize to everyone and say, hey, you know, I'm John. And I'm the dummy that told you to watch this movie. Do not watch this movie. It's awful. I'm awful. I'm going to turn myself in, all that kind of stuff. Well, I could have just quit right there and said, I'm done. I'm not going to even try and speak anymore. It's awful. But what I had to make sure that I did was to not recommend for you to watch something. So I decided I will never do that again. And then I just realized something. I lied. I am going to recommend for you to watch something. Okay, some of you have probably already watched this. My friend Tommy, who is from Nashville, who uh, uh, turns on every single week, we've been talking. He has been after me forever to watch this. And I'm like, man, you got to be careful when you recommend something. But here it is. You ready? You need to go, and the first two seasons are free. The third one's going to be on their website. You need to go and watch The Chosen. How many people have seen The Chosen, the first two seasons? Okay. If you haven't, you need to go and start watching it because it is about Jesus and discipling his disciples. But it's so cool because you get a chance to see the disciples and like, oh, my goodness, they had like a real life. Like one of them was married and had to deal with, you know, all the different things of being married and having a mother-in-law and having a father-in-law and having a, or, you know, all the different kind of family. And, oh, my goodness, you know, they had to work. They had jobs. They had to still share their faith, and yet they had to grow. And they had addictions, and they had struggles with gambling, and they had all these things that were going on, and all of them went through this. And yet there was this guy who just loved them how they were. There was this guy who extended grace and offered them peace so they could walk in their faith. Because he knew that they were set aside and not just set aside, but set aside with a purpose. Remember, all of the disciples were already picked over. The best of the best was already chosen by all the best rabbis. And so Jesus took all of the leftovers, the people who struggle with things internally, the people who had to deal with married life, the people who were trying to figure out how I could make money and walk in my faith, the people and fill in the blank where you are, right where they were, God loved them. And Jesus went to each one of them and said, listen, you and you and you are sanctified. And with this, called to be holy, not called to be perfect, not called to make every right decision, not called to be isolated, not called just to the focus on power, not called for arrogance, called to be holy, and Jesus called you for this. We were set aside for a purpose. We can't find that purpose until we realize that as a believer that we were set aside for God. And it's a choice that we first make by taking a step of faith. Now, Paul writes to his letter in this letter to Corinth. He's writing backward. He also writes a letter, as many other letters later, and this is how he says it in later verses. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says that the God of peace will sanctify you completely. So there's a completeness and a fullness when it comes to our faith that God can put us aside for something so much bigger. But once again, it's a choice that we make daily. Not called to be perfect, even though it's what we strive for, but to strive to be more like God and to be more as the example that his son gave. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, he says, so, says that we have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. So when we've been set aside as a believer, as a quote-unquote chosen, it is through the perfect one. Let's go to the next uh, thing here, Rick, if you had. You've been given all the gifts that you will ever need. Think about that for a second. 
God has already prepared you by giving you gifting. Now, some of us struggle at times because we don't like our job. We don't like where we're at. We don't like our lot in life. We've made bad decisions. We don't think about the different gifting. We've lost where we're at with, gifting, with our gifts. People have put us down. People have criticized us. You can't do this. We can't be that way, whatever it might be. And yet, we have been given all the gifts that we will ever need. In our basement, we finally made the decision we're going to try and remodel everything down there. And it's just kind of making it kind of a more of a, I don't know, just an area that when the family comes over, they can go down and, you know, have some fun and just do different things. And so we had a pool table at our old house and we made the decision we're going to move this thing over. Well, pool tables weigh like a ton. But my son, Nathan, was like, I am taking that thing apart and we are carrying it over. So we took it apart and each one of the pieces of slate weigh like 250 pounds. I am not even coming close to kidding you is ridiculous how heavy these things are. So we finally got the thing set up and we actually have it in the place in the basement. And I told Deanna last night, that is never, ever going to move ever. Like when we move, whoever comes in to buy the house, they're, it's theirs. Like we're not moving it again. And if they say, Hey, make sure you move the pool table. We're going to tell them we're not moving that pool table ever. Blow it up, get rid of it, whatever you have to do. But at the same time, it's sitting there. So we're going to use it. So last night, Deanna and I decided that we were going to play some pool with each other. We're talking, just having a little date. And it was kind of nice. And so there are times when I play pool that like you would think that, man, this guy's like Minnesota fats. And he's like, you know, he can run tables and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, I want that guy on my team. And there's other times when I play, you're like, listen, you play on anybody else's team but mine. Last night was one of those nights where it was play on anybody else's team but mine. And so when we start to play, we'll play like one game. You know, and then we'll play like, you know, best of three and best of five and best of seven. I lost best of, what is it? 16, 17. Best of 17, I lost. And I started with three and five and seven. She beat me nine games to four, and I had to win the last two to get to four. And she had to knock the eight ball in by accident on one of them to be able to do so. So... I was struggling with this because for whatever reason, we had moved all the stuff around and all of a sudden these little short things came up on my, one of my feeds that I watch. And it's all these guys like hitting pool shots. So I'm like, I can do all that stuff. If these guys can do it, I can do it. And I went down to like practice this just to try it. And I'm awful. Like I can't do any of the things that the guys are doing. Like I can see it, but I can't actually do it. And I think many times within our faith, it comes to this. Like we can see other people when it comes to the things that they're doing with their faith, but we never really step in to do it. Or we step in and there's times where, man, an event went well or a youth group time went well or a camp went well or whatever, you know, pick this thing that we did. Everything went perfectly. And we're like, we're just going to go do that again. And we, and we try to follow it up and then maybe the next time it wasn't as good. Or then we go and do something else and it completely is just bad. We're like, oh, I screwed up. Where did I mess up? What was going on? All that kind of things. And it causes us to stop. That happens to us within our faith. And the reason it happens is because we forget that we've been set aside with a purpose. And many times, it's because we don't dive into the very gifts that God has blessed you and blessed me with, and then put them into practice. Faith at times, man, you're going to get everything right, and you're going to do it all the right way. And everything's going to go fantastic, and you're going to be excited, and go, yay, go God. And then something's going to happen to where it just goes backward, and it's a struggle, and we tend to quit. But you've already been given the gifts. What is it you continue to do with those gifts that God has given you? Paul says it like this. In him, you've been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge. He's covered you. He's covered me. 
But are we choosing to use that? And even when we get beat up and knocked down, to continue to come back to him with the grace and peace that he offers us to share our faith. Paul says it this way. Therefore, anytime we see the word therefore, we stop because something else is coming. You do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus. Over 300 prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament that point directly to him. There's one left, and that's him coming back for us. And we wait eagerly for that. Go ahead and go to the, to the next verses, Rick. And my God will meet you, meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. And Paul wrote it again this way. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. If you go back and watch The Chosen, once again, he didn't call the perfect. The disciples that he chose were not the best of the best. They were everyday people like you and me, but they were everyday people who struggled and struggled and made mistakes and had highs and had lows and argued back and forth. And sometimes they didn't say the best things, but they kept coming back to him. Why? Because he offered grace and peace. And through it, he offered hope. And for us, he just wanted us to walk in faith, which takes us to the next part. Last part, Rear Rick. You have been given victory that you can't even yet see. You've already won. How many people watched the Jacksonville uh, Chargers game last night? The Chargers, it was up 27 to nothing. The game was over at halftime. All right, mail it in. No one's coming back from that. Jacksonville came back. A completely different team in the second half. They won 31 to 30 on a last second field goal. As time expired, they won the game. Nobody thought it was going to happen. Nobody except for Jacksonville. Even when it was down 20, even when they were down 27 points, they believed enough in each other. Folks, listen, you're going to have times where all you have is each other. But we need each other. You're going to have times where you have nowhere else to turn to but to the person sitting to your right or to your left. And that's how you're going to feel. But know this, you've already won. But when you turn to that person, you need to make sure that you're turning to God. You need to give it back to him and remember that he is the one that offers that grace and peace through your faith. And that you can always turn back to him. But even when we have the struggles and even when the things rise from within and even when we make bad decisions, even when we do stupid stuff or say dumb things, that the very grace and peace that he offers us, that we will offer to others. Because that's how we grow. And that's how we choose to be disciples and then get to be disciples, or excuse me, apostles. This is the verse, and this is how it says how Paul shares it. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of Christ. And he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. How many of you have heard here recently during the pandemic as we're going out, I just wish Jesus would come back. How many of you ever said it? Go ahead, put your hand up if you did. You're not going to hell for saying it. Come on, Jesus, let's just end this. It's fine. Just come get us, separate us. Let's get out of here. Hey, until then, you've been sanctified and set apart. God offers you his grace and his peace. He just wants us to walk in faith with him. And it's a choice that you and I make every single day, every conversation, every event, every moment, both in church and outside of it. 
here's a message from Pastor Drew, and then we will finish up. Hi, um, my name is Drew Causey, and I'm going to be the pastor here of Orchard Hill Church. I have been here in Canal Fulton for about two years with River Tree Canal Fulton in Ohio for about five. And I want to tell you, I've never been more excited about what God is doing than the moments we're in now. We were here for an open house and a time of prayer this past Tuesday night. Uh, it was so incredible to get to meet and to see our High Point family and the River Tree family coming together, not just to connect. And there was some history and also some, a lot of new faces, but for really a vision of what God might be doing to start to fill our hearts. I hope that there's an excitement in you. I understand uh, if there's not, if you have a lot of questions. I wish I could be here today to answer them. You know, I am in Kentucky. We had a death in our family. Please pray for my wife and my kids and our family as we grieve uh, a loss and also as I perform a funeral later today. But uh, I want you to know that the moment we're in is a moment we are so excited about. I am so excited about uh, it is an honor and a privilege to be a pastor, and I cannot wait to join the work that God is doing here. I know, I know there are a thousand ways that um, God has already used this facility and this place in your lives, in your ministry. Uh, but we also, we've been praying that God would bring us the people that we need for the future we're headed into. And what's most exciting about this moment for me is not just this facility, which is incredible, but it's you, it's your gifts, it's your passions, it's your story, it's the places that God has already placed you as a divine part of his strategy to let the world see his glory, for people to come to him, to know him, to see um, just the beauty and the majesty of God through your faithful, fruitful lives. And I'm a disciple maker. That's the, the, the primary call of Jesus on my life is to help people follow Jesus and I say this as humbly as I can. If you welcome me to be your pastor, it would be an honor to help you find and follow after Jesus with all of your heart. And so that's what we're going to be about later on today, right after service. Uh, the rest of our staff is going to be here. You'll get to meet Christy Timmons, who's the associate pastor at Orchard Hill. You'll get to meet Sharon Hayward, who runs Speakeasy Coffee in downtown Canal Fulton, which is a ministry of our church. Uh, as well as she's the worship leader here. And you'll get to meet Adam Lowe. Adam is our student pastor. And the three of them are amazing and called by God and growing and healthy. And they cannot wait to jump into what God is doing here in and through this church. And so meet them. Uh, I hope you get to shake their hands and introduce yourself and hear their story. Uh, and hear about how you can jump in ministry here. We are we're kind of like a, an all-play kind of church. That's who we want to be. We want everyone to bring their best, to help us be our best for the sake of the world that Jesus loves. And so even this week on Tuesday, we're having team meetings with people who want to help out with hospitality and greeting and kids and students and safety and security and tech and worship and all of these areas of mission. Uh, we would love for you to be a part of that. If you've got questions about that, ask that of, of Christy and Sharon and Adam after service today, they'll tell you all about uh, how you can be a part of those things. We'd love for everyone, not just to, to be here, but to jump in with what God is doing. And look, I, I just want to say I, I cannot wait to be with you on the 29th as we launch out. It's going to be an exciting day. I know there's a buzz in, in our towns. There's a buzz in a lot of different places. And I just tell you to invite people and let's start off together uh, just with a day where we humbly say yes to what God is doing and join him 
uh, on mission in this place. And so thank you. And I can't wait to, to know you all and to serve alongside you as we walk elbow to elbow with Jesus and join him as he rescues and redeems the world. Hope to see you soon. Hi. It's easy to give up. It really is. But when you give up, it gets easier to give up every other time. The next time and the next time and the next time just becomes second nature. It takes a lot when it comes to our faith to step up. But everyone here has this opportunity, as Pastor Drew just shared. We've talked about it for years. We, we want to be in every member ministry. We want everyone to find that place in their walk with God. You and I have been set aside, sanctified for a special purpose with him. And we've already won. So the very grace and peace that God extends us, let's extend that same grace and peace to others. Let's take that next step. Let's continue either to be disciple or to be ready to go and be apostles. The communities around here need that. They need to know that there's hope. They need to know that they too can be extended that same grace and peace that is offered through who? Through a loving Savior who loves us just as we are, who loves us as we're going to be in the future. And for those of us that know that we are all a work in progress. Now, the praise team is going to come up. We're going to sing this, this, this final invitation song. Once again, we're going to dismiss afterward, but please stay around so that you can meet Christy and Sharon and Adam and their families and ask all the questions you want to ask. That's what we're here for, right? But we want to make sure that you stay around so that you get an opportunity to, to meet them. But right where you sit right now, if you just close your eyes for a moment, I want you to look within. We hear a message that Paul wrote to the church when he shared this message. How is it in your life, where is it in your life that God can set you aside to be that disciple and to share the same grace and peace that he offers you freely? What gifts has God given you? And you know what those gifts are, or maybe you're seeking what those gifts are so that you can share that same hope with others. And are you walking every day knowing that you've already won? The same issues that were going on in the church way back then are the same issues that are happening today. And the church is not about a building or a gym or a parking lot. It's about the people in it coming together, sharing the gift that God, gifts that God has blessed them with, walking in such a way that people can't help but see that grace and that peace and have the hope that they too one day can walk in faith with a loving Savior. Heavenly Father, God, as we come to you, Lord, each life here is different. Each struggle here is different. Each victory here is different. God, help us to hold on to the things that will help us be propelled in our faith. Help us to rest in your strength. Help us to turn to your strength. God, help us to extend grace and extend peace to others because you have done that for us first. God, we know we're not going to be perfect, but Lord, it is so exciting knowing that we can walk in such a way that we can't help but be different because we've been set aside for a special purpose with you. Help us to live that in the conversations we have with others, people we've never met, people within our family, 
in our classrooms, on our teams. God, help us every day to show the very light that you showed us first. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Would you all please rise? A time of invitation. So if you'd all bow your heads and close your eyes one more time here. The invitation starts off to those who may not know Jesus as their personal Savior. It stops long enough for us to take a step of faith, and that could be as simple as just reaching our hand up to him and saying, God, I admit that I need you. Man, do I need you. I know I have struggles, and I try to get everything done and fix things on my own, but I just need a loving Savior. And I believe that you sent your son Jesus for me, little old man. No matter my past, no matter my current things that are going on, no matter the, the darkness in my heart and the struggles I have with my thoughts, all those things, God, you want to handle all that. But it's up to me to take that step of faith. And so today I want to take that step of faith to you. Stop long enough to recognize that you are God and that you sent your son Jesus for me. And I want to ask you into my heart as my personal Savior. If you've never taken that step of faith and that's the step of faith that you want to take today, would you please just raise your hand, just reach up to God. Okay, now everyone else, everyone now, look at me here real quick because we're kind of figuring this out on the fly. It's kind of fun too. If you have children in the back, I want you to head to the back and grab your kids and bring them into the sanctuary. Okay, because the, the staff from Orchard Hill, they're going to come up here and you're going to get to meet all of them. Now, we were originally going to close. Rick wanted to sing a couple solos for you. We had to put it on the shelf. Sorry, Rick. You guys all have to apologize to him later. But they're going to come up after this. And you get, to, you get to meet all of them. Okay? So, Andy is going to sing this these last verses. And then he's going to say, you're dismissed. But you're not really dismissed. We're just closing out the service online that way. All right? So whether you choose to sing out loud or in your heart, let's finish these last verses up and then you'll get to meet everyone from Orchard Hill here in just a little bit. Thank you. All righty, let's go through a couple of announcements here real quick. As everyone here knows, last week, both our campus and River Trees campus in Canal Fulton made the announcement that the two churches are coming together. And starting January 29th, the church is going to be known as Orchard Hill. So today, Pastor Drew is going to be here to speak. You're going to find out later why he isn't here. And it's going to come from Pastor Drew specifically. Now, he's not going to walk through those doors, so don't keep watching the, walk, or watching the doors. But he is not going to be here today, and he will explain why a little bit later on. That being said, today the entire staff from Orchard Hill was going to be here as well. They are going to be here at the very end of the service. So today, any questions you have, getting to meet them, all that kind of stuff, it's going to be at the very end. So Andy is going to dismiss everyone at the end, but we're basically just going to turn off the cameras so that way you'll get to meet them because they'll be out in the lobby, they'll be here, wherever they might be. But you'll get a chance to meet, meet each one of them. So we just want to make sure that everyone understands, don't leave at the end. If you leave at the end without meeting them, you're in serious trouble with Pastor Drew, okay? He will write you up. Yeah, I'm just kidding. He won't do any of that stuff. Maybe he will. I don't know. I, I guess that, that, that's his choice. But anyway, so today you get to meet their staff. You get to meet all them. It's at the very end of the service right when we're finished today. And any questions will be handled at that time. All righty. If you all please rise, we'll continue in worship. Thank you.